Welcome uh, to all of you on this high holy day in American life. Uh, We are not thinking today about uh, the Super Bowl, but thinking today instead about uh, something that theologians refer to as the Annunciation. The announcement by the angel Gabriel to a poor, young, virtuous, perhaps illiterate, uh, young junior high girl, that she had found favor with God, and that she would give birth to the one everyone had been waiting for. She would have a son who would be the savior of the world. Um, This announcement took place in Nazareth, which was uh, a tiny little know-nothing town way out in the sticks. In fact, perhaps it's better to say that they were outside the sticks and could only see the sticks on a clear day. Nazareth was, uh, was a place that if today you stopped there, it would be because you were lost. And uh, you'd you know, get gas and uh, maybe a Slurpee, and while you're asking for directions, you'd look around and say, what possibly do the people who live here do? Right? It is just out in the middle of nothing. Today, uh, Nazareth is a town of 200,000, and we have a picture of it. And what you see uh, when you look at Nazareth is uh, a, a town that is part Jewish and part Israeli. And the, the big building there in the center is uh, the Church of the Annunciation. And it is built over a, a, a cave that's referred to as a grotto. If you uh, go to Israel, you discover that there are thousands, tens of thousands of caves. And people would actually build their homes to include them because caves were cool, right? Not hip, not, not California. Caves were first century air conditioning. And uh, it is believed that this particular grotto was uh, at the site where Mary lived and that the angel, Gabriel, appeared to her there. Um, when I went to, uh, to Israel the first time, I took this picture. It was taken from the balcony of the apartment of Johanna and Dina Catanacho. Um, many of you will remember them. They were here for five years while Johanna was doing his Ph.D. They are uh, Palestinians. They live in Nazareth. He's the, now the dean of Bethlehem Bible College. She is the director of the Arab-Israeli, uh, International, Arab-Israeli Bible Society. And uh, they took me to the Church of the Annunciation, and we went down to, to the, the chapel that is down, built right around this little cave. And uh, he was explaining to me, you know, we don't know for sure that this is the spot. I mean, uh, the first 300 years after the uh, death and resurrection of Christ, it was illegal to be a Christian. No one could, of course, you know, plant monuments, let alone build churches there to mark a site. But this is tradition. This is where it happened. And he said, and this is what we know. Even if this isn't exactly the spot, somewhere very close to here, God became a man. And it was a, for me, it was a transcendent moment, one I will always remember. It was just a powerful little uh, God moment to think, this is where I, I, I entered 
the world. Well, you have heard the passage read for you. Um, What I'd like to do uh, next is actually have it uh, portrayed for you. And so we're going to see a film clip from the Nativity story. Takes a few liberties with the text. I'm not a huge fan of the angel Gabriel as portrayed here. Uh, and you see that this has the Annunciation appearing outside. But I think it's, a, it's powerful uh, in its own right. And so I want you to see this clip. is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy Offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God. Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. For nothing said by God can be impossible. Let it be done to me, according to your word. fairness to the, to the director, um, I'm sure there was a limited budget when it came to Gabriel, and I'm not sure that an unlimited budget would have allowed them to capture what went on here. As it is recorded by Luke, and as you have seen it portrayed, I, I want to suggest that there would be a handful of things that would have uh, stood out for a first century reader that might be, be at least some of them missed by us today. First and foremost is just the claim that this is going to be a supernatural birth. It is going to be a, a virgin birth, or to say it more accurately, it's a virgin conception. That's where the miracle is going to take place. Now, this was announced 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. He had said uh, in his book, 
uh, talking about the fact that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And this is not the first time that we even have this taking place. Because what we see is back in Genesis, there is uh, this moment where God is going to promise that he is going to send the Redeemer as the, quote, seed of woman. Hebrew, this would be fully translated as the sperm of woman. Now, as I noted last time we were together, it, it's, um, prophecy is difficult to interpret, much easier to understand after it's been fulfilled and we're looking backwards at it. Uh, seed of woman uh, would not have given them an understanding that it's a virgin birth, but after the virgin birth has been announced and take place, we look back at this passage and say, okay, well, that's an interesting way to describe what God was going to do. Now, I am aware that there are people who look with great skepticism upon the suggestion that Christ was born of a virgin. And I've heard this, right? Come on, uh, let's grow up, let's, let's be adults here, let's stop giggling and being embarrassed about sex. We all know where babies come from. Well, right, we all know where regular babies come from. The claim is that Jesus is not a regular baby. Human life begins at conception. Jesus is God. He has existed from before time began. He, is, he has been the Son of God, the, the, the divine Logos. What happens here is that the divine, while remaining divine, adds humanity. While remaining fully God, the Logos is going to also become fully human, fully man. And so, this is different. And and it's, it's supernatural. Now, please note that uh, virgin births were no more common back then than they are today. And so Luke would have been skeptical, especially as a doctor. And we can imagine that he got to ask the questions that Larry King says he would most like to ask. King was asked, if you could interview anyone in all of history and ask him just one question, who would it be and what would you ask? And he said, it would be the Virgin Mary, and I would ask her, was it really a virgin birth? He said, because from that, everything else would be answered. Well, Luke, I think, has a chance to talk with an, with an elderly Mary and say, tell me about this, the angel, this, this conception, explain all this to me. And he reports it. Here And I would just suggest to you that um, as miracles go, this isn't even a big one. Right? After you make peace with the idea that there is a creator God, the idea that God could arrange for a virginal conception is not something to trip over. Instead, the idea that he would do this is where you might stumble. And that leads to the second thing that would have been very clear to first century readers. That is the general humiliation of all this. Uh, I, I can just imagine uh, Theophilus reading 
this report from Luke for the first time. And reading this, that in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And thinking, so, God is going to become a man. Right? It's, it's shocking, not that he could do this, but that he would do this. It's, it's profane, it's degrading, it's the creator becoming part of the creation. Who could imagine that this would happen? But right away, he would say, and just adding insult to injury, <laughs> he's going to do this in Nazareth. God, the creator of everything, is going to show up on earth, and he chooses Nazareth? I mean, not Jerusalem, not Rome, Nazareth? And this is a town that is not mentioned in the Old Testament, not mentioned in the Talmud, not mentioned in Josephus' writings. This is a town when, when Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, I want you to meet the one Moses talked about. I want you to meet the one uh, that, that the prophets talked about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response is to say, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? There is a, there just is a, a humiliation factor to this. And then, on top of that, it's not just that, that God is going to show up on the wrong side of the tracks. He is going to show up to a virgin who is pledged to be married. So, a first century reader would hear this and would know that, that uh, marriages are arranged by parents generally when the girl um, entered puberty. So think 12, 13, maybe 14 or 15. And there was a little party, a little ceremony, and then there was this one, generally about a one-year period of betrothal. It was, it was a little bit more binding than engagement. It, it would require a divorce to break it off. If a husband died during that one-year period, the, the woman would be considered a widow. It's a little bit more binding. It's about a year-long period after which there would be another party, and the couple would then begin to live as husband and wife. So when he hears... When he reads, to a virgin pledged to be married, right? he is picturing a little 14-year-old junior high girl. And this would be equally shocking. God is not going to show up in a palace. God is not going to show up to a family of power. He's going to show up to this young girl in Nazareth. You have undoubtedly seen pictures of the Virgin Mary. There are thousands of them. Most of them look something like this. She is regal. She is uh, dressed in nice, clean clothes. Her hair has been combed. Perhaps she has a crown or a halo on. She looks uh, composed, right, unflappable. Like, you know, I am a mom who will never yell. She, she has got... She has got life down. I would suggest to you that these pictures are not helpful. That Mary would not have recognized herself in any of these pictures. So first of all, we have to back up and think 14 years old. So here we have a 14-year-old. Then we would have to say... A 14-year-old who is poor, 
who very likely has not learned how to read, a 14-year-old who has dirty feet and, and simple, perhaps, dirty clothes. If, if you met this girl, you would not hire her to babysit your kids. If, if she was cleaned up and, and had an education, you would, we would not let her drive, right? She'd have a curfew. And yet, the God of the universe is sending his only son and saying, this will be the person who will care for him. So, one of the things that would have struck the first century reader is the humiliation of what God is doing. The third thing that would have struck them is the, the wonder and um, excitement of it all. I'm reading verse 28. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, right, Do not be afraid. I've said this almost always one of the things that angels say very early. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This is, this is a, Mary, you are the one. You've, you've heard that from the prophet Isaiah that, that, uh, that a virgin is going to give birth to the Son of God, to the Messiah, to the one we've all been waiting for. You, Mary, are the one that was written about. Jewish women wanted to be the one who would give birth to the Son of God or give birth to the Messiah. They didn't understand it as the Son of God. They wanted to give birth to the Messiah. Mary, you have been selected. You have found favor with God. So part of this is, I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's, an, it's an honor. There's a privilege. There's, there, there's wonder about this. But that would be followed by a fourth realization. And that is, this is a very costly, dangerous, difficult assignment. We don't necessarily see that. But a first century reader would pick up on that. I continue to read. Mary asks, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Reading between the lines, a first century reader would have recognized that Mary's question, at least in part, is trying to understand how this is going to play out. And that she would quickly realize that she is going to be an unmarried pregnant girl, and that this isn't going to play well with her father, and this isn't going to play well with her mother, and this isn't going to play well in Nazareth, and this isn't going to play well with Joseph. 
we're not given the, the specifics here. We don't get a, a t- an accurate time frame. We know that almost immediately after the announcement of the, the, from the angel Gabriel, she goes to Elizabeth, right? She makes this trip uh, to Elizabeth, a difficult journey. And, and she does this probably because Elizabeth is one of the few people, along with Zechariah, to whom the angel has spoken, that she can count on to believe her story. And we also know that Joseph will make plans to divorce her. And we know that she will accompany Joseph to Bethlehem when she is ready to give birth, which she does not have to do, which suggests she doesn't have friends anymore in Nazareth. I want to show a second clip. This is from the same movie. And this uh, picks up uh, when... Mary is coming back from having spent several months with Elizabeth. And she's just going to be seeing her family and and friends. And people will realize for the first time that she's pregnant. Joseph, Mary's back. She's back. She's back. Joseph. Joseph. An angel told you this, that you would bear the Son of God. Mary. Elizabeth had a baby, even in her old age. Elizabeth has a husband. They could stone you in the street. Do you understand? You should have stayed with Elizabeth. Father. Father. I've broken no vow. Oh, you have broken every vow, Mary. Was it one of her soldiers? Was it? I have told the truth. Whether you believe is your choice, not mine. I think the film does a good job of helping us understand how this news would have been received. Which leads to the final observation. I don't know how many 
first century readers would have understood this initially. I think most. Mary's response is extraordinary. It's perfect. She says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm just a poor, simple, again, likely uneducated, young junior high girl. I will defer to God. I will do whatever I'm asked to do. Have you reached that point? Have you reached the point where you say yes to God, sort of no matter what the ask is? Most of us have not. We pray, thy will be done. But what we really mean is, I will believe and worship you, and in exchange, I want you to bless my plans. This was not Mary's plan. Mary had a plan. Get married. Wear white. Have a party. Everyone would speak highly of her. Right? She would be celebrated. People would talk about how, how, what a fine, virtuous, young lady she is. The plan was not to have uh, a child out of wedlock. The plan was not to be called a tramp and worse. The plan was not to give up a little comfort and security she had. That's what she does. Her response is perfect. It's amazing. She simply surrenders. This past week I was uh, in New York City at at a conference on vocation and calling. I went there uh, sort of doing some scouting work for uh, men's fraternity for, for next year, for curriculum for that, and, uh, and I, was, I was a little uh, surprised that it was as engaging personally for me as, as it turned out to be. I was just sort of there to take notes and, and figure out whether we could use some of this uh, next fall, and it turned out to be very powerful, and one of the exercises they had us do was to write a letter of surrender to God. So we're given a list of things that generally hold people back, fears, you know, reputation, all these things. And you're supposed to spend an hour and a half, think, pray, write a letter of surrender to God. And, and I, I did, right? Coffee shop in Manhattan, I spent about an hour and I composed this letter and uh, folded it up and put it in my Bible and started to walk back to the place we were going to meet. And as I'm walking back, the first thought that I had was... <laughs> uh, your, your letter is nowhere near as good as Mary's, right? This, this 14-year-old uneducated girl nailed the assignment. You have written a page and a half, and it's not anywhere near as good. Her response is, I am the Lord's servant, right? May it be unto me, as you have said. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, disagreement about Mary Catholics and Orthodox and Protestants. The, the Roman Catholic Church is, has several doctrines. The idea that she was uh, conceived personally without sin, not the virgin birth, but that 
her life. There was an immaculate conception, and so she did not have sin. The idea that she remained a virgin throughout her life, the idea uh, that at her death her body was assumed, body and soul, like Christ, up into heaven, and she was uh, appointed queen and and has a, a position of honor, and, and many people, of course, uh, pray to Mary, and, and in some senses it looks like worship Mary. And so Protestants and evangelicals perhaps in particular react very uh, strongly to these ideas that, that are not found in the Bible and consequently tend to ignore Mary. Um, she comes out at Christmas, and other than that, uh, we generally don't have much to do with her. Uh, I am, I am a Protestant. This is a Protestant church. I am not comfortable with the, the Catholic doctrines around Mary. But it's worth stating, I'm not particularly comfortable with the way evangelical church treats Mary either. She is the first disciple. right? She, she is uh, one who absolutely sets an example for us. Right? She, we, we should not... Uh, I don't believe, pray to Mary, have faith in Mary, but we should pray like Mary and strive to have a faith like Mary's. She is chosen by God because of her virtue and and her life. And I believe she's saved by grace just like the rest of us. And, and, And I think that comes out in this passage. But she is extraordinary. And she says yes to God. And many of us do not. Have you said yes? I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you have said. There are other things that we could look at. She asked a question of the angel Gabriel and doesn't get in trouble. Remember Zechariah did. Zechariah's question was really a front for disbelief. Mary's question is an honest question. Don't be scared to ask questions. Questions are fine. I have questions, right? Christianity is big enough for your questions. So questions are not wrong. We could look at the, the, the valued office of motherhood. There are other things that we could see here. I think the key thing is to see that Mary gets it right. And we should all be a lot more like this young girl. Say yes to God. Whatever the question. Yes. I am the Lord's servant. May it be unto me as you will. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this extraordinary example We thank you for your providential hand in selecting this extraordinary young woman. We often uh, think that the cost of following you is high. No appreciation for the cost to someone like her. May we better understand your call in our life and be like Mary. Say yes. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.